Welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware brought to you by the Alliance Party. Content for this episode was recorded on Saturday, November 30, 2019. And a good evening to you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the podcast. And guess what? It's Thanksgiving weekend. Time to give thanks. This evening, our moderator, M. Lloyd Johnson, got together with Jim Rex, our National Party chairman, as well as yours truly, and reflected back at the past year to review the things for which we're grateful, specifically focusing on the Alliance Party as well as our nation. Yes, it's been a challenging year for our country, but even so, there's much to be grateful for. And within the Alliance Party itself, there's much optimism as well as a sense of urgency as the party organizes itself in preparation for the upcoming election year. Now, I don't want to do a spoiler alert here, so let's just jump into the conversation, starting with our moderator, M. Lloyd Johnson. So uh, we, we've had a, uh, a really good growing year, and uh, I, I think it would be nice, uh, Jim, Dan, if we could just talk about some of the things that have um, happened over the year, like, the, uh, like some of the positive um, goalposts that have been met or achievements uh, that have been accomplished. Um, what would you say are, are some of the big things that we've uh, accomplished that we should look back and um, just be really grateful for? Uh, Lloyd, this is Jim. I'll, I'll start out if you like. Um, okay. I do think it's a, I do think it's a great time of the year for all of us, you know, our listeners as well as those of us on this on this um, interview, to be thankful because there's certainly a lot to be thankful about. Even though we all know there are major problems that that bring us together in this effort to change our political system, there's still much to be thankful for. Um, the uh, the Alliance Party is, I think. The listeners know uh, has been in existence a little over a year, and during that time, we've um, really accomplished more in some ways than we had dreamt of uh, over a year ago. We now are officially organized and and registered uh, in 29 states. Um, we uh, are still talking to other existing parties and other states about the possibility of joining our alliance. In fact, I had a meeting uh, about a week ago in New York City with the uh, chair of the Independent Party of Connecticut. And this party has been in Connecticut for some time. They have over 100 ballot lines under their party name in Connecticut. And um, they have asked to join with our alliance. Um, We're still trying to figure out exactly what that relationship will look like because um, this will be a a little different than the mergers that have occurred thus far since... um, uh, Connecticut has a system whereby uh, voters have to register by party, and so they have uh, oh. a couple hundred thousand people registered as um, independent uh, party members. So if they change their name in any way, they have to start all over again, which makes oh my lose, goodness, wow, this ballot access. So what we're talking about is um, an alliance that would basically have them agree to everything we we do or their candidates would have to sign our candidates agreements in terms of term limits and transparency and all the other things that distinguish our candidates from others um, all of their literature would have alliance on it along with independent but only the ballot itself uh, would probably have their name independent party and um, that would be to protect their ballot access so those are the sorts of things that um, are brand new and innovative, uh, and it's another example of why the name that we're using works so well for us, because um, we can have these kinds of new and different and innovative alliances 
with states that uh, allow us to move things forward in terms of a new political approach. So that's that's been one major accomplishment. We've we've gotten a lot of people who uh, believe in what we believe in and see the problems as we see them and see some of the solutions as we see them who want to be be a part of this movement. And it really is, as we've said many times, including on this podcast, it's a movement as much as it is a political party. So you, you mentioned something, Jim. Uh, it, it's a term I'm um, I'm not familiar with. Uh, what what is you mentioned a hundred uh, ballot lines? What are um, ballot lines? Well, again, every state is different, Lloyd, and it's incredible the barriers that the Republicans and Democrats have jointly put in place in all fifty states to competition. In Connecticut, the, the version they put into place is that you have to. Uh, get a certain number of signatures on a petition for every uh, um, area, every district within the state. They're not called counties. Again, what they call them in Connecticut, but they're small hamlets almost. And once parish you get that, that, that may be the term they use in Connecticut. But when you get those uh, signatures and you get them approved by the Secretary of State, you now have a ballot line for that elected office in that district, whether it's county or city or um, state or even federal. And uh, you have to run a candidate in the next election. You don't have to win the race, but you have to have a candidate on the ballot in the next election. Or guess what? You start back from scratch again. You lose the ballot line. So one of the challenges that the Independent Party of Connecticut has in order to hang on to its uh, ballot lines is to have candidates for all of those ballot lines that it has uh, previously achieved. So that, that's so what I meant by Just one candidate? Uh, this is Dan. Just, just one candidate or a candidate in every, in every district? They have to have a candidate in the districts where they have uh, previously gotten the petitions and made the um, necessary um, amount for whatever that that office is. So it would be a lower level for a county or city or council. It would be a higher one for a larger district, for example, a state legislative office. It would be yet a higher one for a congressional office because that would be a larger group of people within Connecticut, a larger district. So they, over the years, and they've been in, in effect for a number of years, they have done this with, with ballots, um, with petitions. But now, in order to protect those and maintain those without having to go back through that expensive and laborious process again, they have, I think it's 120 ballot lines that they want to have candidates in running for office in order to protect them from having to go back and collect those petitions again. So, so would that affect term limits there? Well, the the only uh, area where term limits come into effect for for our party is for state-level legislatures or for congressional seats. So it, it would affect their state uh, offices as well as anyone running for Congress on a ballot line. I believe they have four or five congressional ballot lines that they're protecting or hope to protect in 2020. I'm not sure how many they have at the state level, but I know they have a number of those. And then, of course, they have many 
at the lower levels, and that's where term limits do not come into play. Just to explain to your listeners, if they're hearing this for the first time, um, when you agree to be a candidate for the Alliance Party, you sign a candidate agreement with the party that you will serve no more than a total of 12 years in any combination of legislative offices. And what we mean by that, if you're going to become a lawmaker um, at either the state level or the federal level, you have to abide by these term limits. If you're running for you know, mayor or sheriff or county council or school board or city council, magistrate, um, sheriff, there are no term limit requirements. Those offices are close to the people, and we don't believe that that's where the damage is being done. The damage is being done to the country uh, through special interest and through corruption in our state capitals and in our uh, national capital. And that's why we have term limits for those offices. The same thing is true of the um, transparency. The tax returns from the three most current years have to be on the uh, candidate's uh, website um, 90 days before the general election if they're running for any of those legislative offices at state level or federal level. So uh, let's jump into um, just the, the elections that have happened for the Alliance Party uh, in, in general. Um, it, it's pretty tough at this point to win elections when people don't know who we are. Uh, so. So that was really a challenge for us, but um, it, it, as far as uh, the efforts to getting uh, the word out, um, you know, like our website and various forums that we're on, what, uh, what have we uh, achieved in that area so far as far as um, our candidates uh, getting to know people and uh, getting a, a share of the votes and um, our party getting to uh, be known by people as well and bring people in to get involved? That's a good question. Lloyd, we, when we started this, as I said, a little over a year ago, we didn't anticipate having candidates until 2020. We didn't anticipate having candidates in 2019 because that was going to be an organizational year, merging, merging existing parties and creating um, affiliates to the Alliance Party in new states. And we've done that, as I said a minute ago, in 29 states. But lo and behold, even while we were doing that, we had people coming for forward saying they wanted to be candidates in 2019. So we did have uh, four candidates in three states in 2019, last November. Um, we had two running, these were all local races. We had two running for the city council of the city of uh, Houston in Texas. We had a candidate running for the city council in Virginia Beach, and we had a candidate running for the city council in Davenport, Iowa. So. Um, four candidates in three That's states. Cool. Yeah, it was cool. And these were really phenomenal people. And, um, you know, nobody knew who they were, of course. They were all brand new candidates, had never run for office before, exactly the kind of people we're trying to entice to get directly involved in the political process and get into the arena, so to speak. Um, and lo and behold, we had an 18-year-old high school senior running wow. for the Dav Davenport, Iowa City Council, and she got almost, within a couple of uh, percentage points, a third of the vote. She didn't win. She got a third of the vote in that contest. Um, we had a, a young man running for the city council in Virginia Beach, and he got over 20,000 votes uh, in that race. Again, not enough to win, but he certainly had a credible race. So um, there's something called ballot identity, and we're 
kind of ahead of where we thought we would be in those in those um, those cities at least because so now that's really huge. Starting... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go on. Go ahead. Lauren. I was just saying. Well, so that's gonna... really that's really huge for uh, an alternative party, isn't it? It is. Usually, uh, when you start out as a third party or an independent, um, you know, you're lucky if you get one or two percent. Frankly, I mean. You don't have right. the money, you don't have the brand, you don't have the name recognition, you don't have the infrastructure. But um, in these local races, yeah, I think one reason the 18-year-old did so well is that she knocked on lots of doors. And she okay, cool. Great, and she had a great um, you know, campaign platform in terms of the Alliance Party and how she was trying to be a problem solver and was not an ideologue. And one of the issues she ran on, of course, which which kind of resonated, I think, with the uh, voters was she was a high school student and she knew how badly the education system needed reforming in Davenport, <laughs> Iowa. That's so, great. Know, from inside of yeah, inside of the belly of the beast, she was a great reformer. So those are the kinds of candidates we want. We want we want young people. We want um, you know women. We want minorities. We we want we want people who have never considered running for office but are mad as hell about where we are right now and want to do something constructive. And those are the kinds of people it looks like we're going to be attracting in 2020 in large numbers. So, uh, so what about our uh, uh, website? How is that promoting who we are? Well, if, if uh, your listeners will go to the website of the Alliance they'll see right on the landing page on the front page, a banner that says run for office. And if they click on that, they will go to a candidate's page which outlines what it is we uh, expect of our candidates, the competitive advantage we believe we can give our candidates because they won't be seen as just another politician with another name, but they'll be seen as a different type of politician, uh, someone who uh, is going to put um, country over party, state over party, um, community over party, uh, we're not. We don't have ideological litmus tests. What we want are patriotic problem solvers who seek uh, common ground and consensus. So um, we try to make it. I won't say easy to run for office because if you're serious about running for office, it, it's not easy. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. But we we make it possible to run for office because so many people think you have to be a billionaire or wealthy or have a certain last name or be a, you know, a Wall Street lawyer or something else in order to run for office. And that was never the idea you know, with the Founding Fathers. We wanted citizen legislatures, legislators, not professional career politicians. And that's what is part of the revolution, if you will, the movement that the Alliance Party is all about. So uh, just, just to um, promote the website, um, uh, Jim and, and Dan, um, what is the... Uh, what is the exact uh, spelling? Are there dashes in the website? No. Is it just, the, just theallianceparty.com? Yes. You have to put T-H-E in the front in order to get to the site quickly. Yes. So everyone who's listening, remember that. It's T-H-E, allianceparty.com. So, so don't forget the the. I was just uh, wanted to revisit one thing too. Uh, you know, we talked about you know the things that happened over the past year. We talked about merging with other parties and uh, being registered in 29 states. 
I was somewhat interested too because you know, I've looked at the website, you know, constantly looking at the website, but I've noticed we we put a lot more people as part of the um, um, as part of the upper membership. I've noticed that's expanded quite a bit. So uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Because as we're merging with these other parties, we must be picking up some really uh, interesting and very valuable people at the same time. Yeah, we really are. Um, and you know, pe people, <laughs> what it's all about. I mean, if you don't have remarkable people like you and Lloyd, frankly, who don't come in as volunteers. And by the way, we are we are a totally volunteer um, phenomenon. Um, and, and I think that's the right word, phenomenon. Here we've been in existence uh, over a year, 29 states. We have yet to spend a single penny in salaries. Everybody who is trying to make this happen for their country, for our country, is doing it as a volunteer. Now, frankly and candidly, I don't know how much longer we can do that without having some salaried personnel because uh, as we get bigger and as we get into the elections and all these different states, um, that's going to become, I think, more of a necessity. But up to this point, it's been strictly volunteer, and I think that's been great. I think it's been one of our strengths because um, the people who have stayed with us and the people who have come to us are patriots, no matter how you cut it. They're, they're people who have placed a priority on this, on this effort for all the right reasons. Um, you know, a lot of people come to mind. We, we have a person who I think both of you have talked to, Jane Pickett in Los Angeles, who um, came to us. Uh, she's a documentary filmmaker. Um, she has, if you go to our website, you'll see a, a video uh, in the uh, early part of the website that uh, has people who have been involved with the parties from the very beginning talking about their motivation and, and why they're a part of the alliance. And Jane is a talented person. She teaches um, film in, in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, so she, you know, she's just a great resource. We have a, another person that comes to mind, uh, Jessie Broke. Uh, she's in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. She's an independent journalist. Um, heard about us, um, came to a meeting, uh, got involved, and is now uh, helping us with our national newsletter. And uh, Jesse is a, a talented person who is uh, not just a great writer, but has a lot of insight into lots of issues that uh, our newsletter will be dealing with, especially in the election year. Um, another example is uh, a guy named Tucker Lewis, who is a very successful national real estate developer and investor, uh, who is also the Alliance chair in the state of Maine. And uh, he serves on a, on the party's national committee, which is our governing committee. And um, he is using his business contacts around the nation. He lives in Maine. He was born and raised in Alaska. He has a home in California. He, he's, he's in the air all the time traveling. But he's using his business contacts to get the word out about the alliance and also to help organizing uh, organizes uh, fundraising events and meetings for the party. So those are three examples that come to mind very quickly. But when you go on the website under the leadership page, you'll, you'll get a glimpse of some of the people who have been drawn to this movement, to this party, and who are volunteering their time and their expertise and their efforts to uh, make it a success. In terms of membership, too, we must be seeing a, a big bump in the membership over time, the, you know, just people signing up to the website asking for the newsletter and such, do we Well, it, it, it's, 
it's growing. I think we will see much more of that uh, in 2020 during the election uh, itself. A lot of people are drawn to candidates, not just to, you know, the party itself, and and want to affiliate with a candidate, a particular campaign. Um, one of the uh, things we'll be doing in 2020 is asking not just people who want to be elected officials to behave differently, but we're, we're going to be asking all of us to behave differently as voters. And we want to use the word ally there, that we need to start seeing ourselves as allies of one another. And we'll ask people to sign up uh, to become members, to take a pledge, really, as, as an ally. Uh, we, that'll be rolled out in, in 2020. When you say membership, uh, Dan, it, it's um, tricky uh, because some states require people to register if they want to be registered voters by party. So you have to register as an independent or register as an alliance um, uh, re- registrar, registrant, or you have to uh, be a Republican or a Democrat. In other states, like the one I live in, South Carolina, it's an open primary state. We, we register as voters, but we don't register by party. So there is no, quote-unquote, membership unless you sign up on a website. The membership that, that matters the most is during the election, and that comes down to those who have voted for you. And if they voted for your candidates, you know, that's the membership that really, that really matters. Um, registering is important. But unfortunately, in this country, we have a lot of people who register to vote who don't end up voting. You know, they don't show up at the polls. So um, we, we've, we're hoping that we can uh, use this idea of, the, of us changing our behaviors as, as citizens and to become allies of one another, and that we can use that as a signing uh, opportunity so that we can start using that as a membership pseudonym, if you will, for... Uh, for what we're trying to do. Um, people do sign up for the newsletter. That's one form of membership. Some people donate to the party online. There's a donate page. Of course, it takes money to, to do the things we're trying to do. And those are all members of the sorts. But um, we don't have a membership uh, pledge per se yet on our website. Okay. I noticed there's actually a store set on the uh on the uh, website as well, where you can purchase uh, yeah. coffee mugs and uh, bumper stickers and things like that. That's very interesting. Yeah, we have T-shirts. I guess if you're walking around with an Alliance T-shirt, if you've ordered one of those, we could call you a member. <laughs> but um, you know, <laughs> so if, you, if you're in a state, if you're in a state requires you to register, then that, that that's probably the closest thing to what most people think of as, as a membership. So uh, moving into the um, future. Uh, I know we've started uh, virtual um, town halls, and um, we, we also have um, candidates that are uh, lined up to run for um, 2020. So uh, what are some of the other ways, in and in, in, of course on that way, what, what are just some of the ways in general that, that um, we're working to take advantage of uh, 2020? Well, the uh, the town halls will in, in, increase in frequency during 2020. These are, as you said, Lloyd, virtual town halls. They uh, usually last for about an hour. Uh, 50% of it is uh, presenting information, 
new initiatives. The other 50% is uh, feedback, uh, call-ins, uh, questions. We really have the, the town halls, <clears throat> as we've been working with them over this last year, sort of segregated into two, two types of town halls. One is sort of the general town hall meeting. Those in, invitations and announcements go out to our entire uh, database, and hopefully people tell other people that we don't even know about to call in and be a part of that general town hall. And that's when we make announcements. Uh, certainly we'll be doing that around our, our campaign in 2020 and our candidates. And then we also solicit questions and feedback. The other type of town hall that we've done is a more state-oriented town hall. It's more focused on our 29 or 30 states, uh, their needs, uh, candidates, questions from the state leadership, um, sort of the nitty-gritty nuts and bolts. You had uh, Tim Cotton on, our national political director, a couple of podcasts ago, I think. And, you know, Tim is the one who oftentimes leads a good deal of the discussion with these state-oriented town hall meetings. So that's that's been one great way to get the word out. And, um, you know, we, we're seeing more and more people call into those town hall meetings and, and participate across the four time zones that, that we offer them in. Um, the, the other thing I think that will make a big difference in terms of exposure will be the candidates themselves. Um, you know, the, I mentioned the four candidates we had in 2019. In Davenport, Iowa, for example, in that one town where that 18-year-old was running, a lot of people in that relatively small community heard about and learned about the Alliance Party. And that's because there was a candidate involved on, in that race. So um, ultimately, a party is known by its candidates. And if you think about your experience as a voter, much of what you believe about a party has to do with what you believe about the candidates of that party, especially the ones that you're called to vote on, the ones that are on your ballot. So uh, 2020 would be a great opportunity for us to make a, a much bigger difference. Uh, we've gotten some news media coverage. Some of that's on the, um, on the website. We hope to see that increase dramatically. It's a challenge. It's a challenge, especially in the Trump era, where it seems like everything is focused on uh, those who love Trump and those who hate Trump, as opposed <laughs> to the system, the system itself and the problems that we, we need to confront as a nation and you know, get away from this one-person um, combat that we seem to be going into. But we're going to be in it for 2020, and we just have to deal with that as a new party. You know, I'm surprised. I'll, I'll just throw this in. I, I'm surprised uh, neither party has any, said anything like, and this kind of indicates where they're at, a clear vision, 2020. They don't have a vision. All they have is a, a group of candidates who uh, wheel and deal with the media in terms of their own particular um, polling, in terms of what they want to say or should say about a given issue. The, that's, that's all it is. It's all about winning and, and whatever propaganda techniques uh, they believe will, will help them win the election. Well, one thing you've said before, Jim, uh, and it's worth reiterating, is um, the need to focus on research um, in order to come to a healthy solution. And if you want to have a, a clear vision, you don't close one eye, and um, you really look at all the facts. And um, to have that is is a, a principle that you promote. 
um, that, that that's just so positive for everybody uh, who's voting. It's it's really what I think a, a lot of Americans want. Um, I, I think Americans as, as a whole, there's a very very large percentage that um, define themselves as moderate, and, and a lot of them just end up don't voting. Um, do you know anything about uh, the stats on that? Well, uh, yeah, this, the, the majority of Americans have said consistently for a number of years now in polls that neither party, the Republican nor the Democrat, represents their interests. Uh, they don't feel they, they represent their needs or interests. Um, increasingly, there are more Americans who are calling themselves uh, either independent or unaffiliated than either Republican or Democrat. So the two parties' credibility has gone down uh, progressively now for over a decade. And yet, uh, the lesser of two evil um, proposition still tends to dominate our elections, with people believing they have only two choices, and they pick the one they hate the, they hate the least. Uh, you know, they don't vote for somebody, they vote against somebody. So people are saying they don't like the system. They're saying they realize it's broken. They don't feel good about the way uh, politics works anymore in America. And yet uh, through habit and to some extent through coercion, they end up uh, doing some of the same behaviors one election cycle after the other. That's what we're in the process of hoping to break. Yeah, there's a whole lot of guilt tripping where it's like uh, the way I want to vote is better than the way you want to vote that I've gotten from people that I'm just like, no, I'm not going to vote for you. Let me vote for myself. That's kind of a yep. running joke in the past whenever we were voting. It, it was the running joke the morning after you voted was, uh, gee, it was a tough election. I didn't know who to vote against. <laughs> That's good. You know, the, That's good. The, other thing, the other thing that's so disappointing and frustrating, I think, for many of us in America as voters is um, how little we really know and understand about many of the candidates and many of the issues that are on our ballots. Um, you know, we go into these voting booths, depending on the particular election year, and we see issues that we have to vote yay or nay on. We see candidates that maybe we've heard about or haven't even heard the name before. And somehow we've gotten this, this belief in America that as a voter, you have a responsibility to vote for everything on your ballot, that it's some kind of a a requirement, a patriotic requirement that, you know, even if you're going eeny, meeny, miny, mo, or I like the sound of that name, I guess I'll vote for him or her. Or, of course, the most devastating is I'm going to vote for all of these people because they have an R next to their name or all of these people because they have a D next to their name without understanding or knowing anything about who they are, what their positions are, what their backgrounds, what their qualifications are. And I used to speak to college students who were becoming voters for the first time. And one of the things that I used to say to them, and I would watch not just their faces, but the faces of the faculty and the other people in attendance. And I could tell that it was a new idea, a new thought to them. When you go to vote, you have no responsibility to vote for everything on your ballot. Your responsibility is to vote for those things that you know something about, that you have a, a firm commitment or opinion or conviction about because when you arbitrarily vote for those things that you know nothing about you are canceling out the vote of someone else 
who may have studied for years about that issue, who may know a lot about this candidate or that candidate. And when you arbitrarily just fill into boxes, you are canceling out your fellow Americans and other voters who might have studied and knew what the right answer, quote unquote, was to that issue or to that, that candidate's race. So don't feel like or you have even, to go in knowing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say, just to add to that, or their, their self-education may uh, have them voting for the person you actually would want in office rather than the one you randomly voted for. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, if there are 10 items on the ballot or 20 items on the ballot and you feel like you're really comfortable making a decision about three of them or four of them or whatever the number is, do that and stop. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> you're playing Russian roulette with your vote if you just feel like you have to fill in the blanks. And it's an, it's a, it's an amazing idea to a lot of people. They thought, well, I've done my, my duty as a citizen because I went in and checked every box, even though I didn't really know what I was doing with, you know, half of them or two thirds of them. And that's unfortunately why the straight party ticket voting is so popular. It takes away that intellectual responsibility to know what the heck you're talking about when you cast that vote. So, Dan, um, what questions uh, do you think um, need to be presented that we haven't covered so far? Um, well, I was thinking that, you know, we're, we're again, we're taking a look back at things that we're you know, grateful for. And, and I'd really like to see, you know, ask you, Jim, what, what positive developments you've seen nationwide over 2019. We obviously had a lot of, you know, negative things happen, but what positive things have you seen over the, over the uh, over the past year? Well, yeah, that's a great question, Dan, and and I think as we said at the beginning of the podcast, this is Thanksgiving season and holiday season. We should be looking for the part of the glass that's half full, not just the part that's half empty. And you know, I think, for example, again because of uh, the person who is president right now, perhaps, but, but beyond that. There's been a lot of discussion about the role of the free press. You know, really, what is it? Um, why is it important? Why is it necessary? Um, and I think the press itself is doing a lot of internal uh, questioning about what their role is. And um, so I think that's been healthy. I think that's been good. I think it's reminded Americans that um, it's one of the blessings we have as a free press. Um, you know, the independent judiciary we have. I think there's been an increased um, awareness of how important that is, that we, we have judges who can disagree with the most powerful person, not just in our, our country, but in the world. Um, and you know, we're one of the few countries that, that has that. So that's, that's been good. I think we've realized that we've got these precious, fragile things, like the free press, like the independent judiciary, that that we need to take care of and protect and, and um, see it as something that we can all support, even if we disagree on a particular issue. Um, a lot of talk about, of course, different parts of the Constitution and how important that is to guard against the, um, the tyranny of the majority against the minority. And that's always been a struggle in our nation, but we've gotten really much better of that at that. And I think if, those of us who've been around a little while, but you don't have to be very old to see how America has been expanding our acceptance of what it means to um, have equality. 
equality for all, you know, uh, women and minorities and people with different sexual orientations and disabled people and, and lots of others. So, uh, you know, we ought to be proud of that as, as a nation, that we've been expanding our definition and acceptance of what it means to be equal and treat people equally. And I think the other thing that more and more Americans realize is that while we have many problems that we are not adequately addressing, we are still the most consequential nation on earth. And America needs to get it right. We need to get it right, not just for us, but we need to get it right for the planet that we share and that we're a part of uh, with all of the rest of humanity. So, you know, there's, there's lots of things to be thankful for, that we have um, the things in place that we have in place in this country and, and uh, that this, this arc of justice, if you will, is still moving in the right direction, even though it gets a little bumpy at times. So how's the, it, it, it may be kind of, you know, I think we might have covered a lot of this already, but these concepts you brought up, it, 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 uh, particularly the fact that Americans are becoming much more conscious of their government these days and, and uh, the fact that we're a consequential nation. Um, and I think we covered this already, but I just want to hit it one more time as to how the, uh, the Alliance Party is positioning itself to take advantage of some of these developments. I mean, you, you touched upon the concept of you know, transparency in our candidates, and um, I guess uh, is there anything that stands out in your mind too that, that the Alliance Party is doing at this point to to add to that strength that you just identified? Well, I'm trying to think of what I would what I would emphasize, Dan. I there's so many parts to what we're trying to do. I mean, we're we, we want people to realize that, um, you know, we don't have to settle for the frustrations, the disappointment, um, in some cases the alienation that we have because of our political process. There's, there's nothing that says we have to be limited to two choices, two approaches. Um, you know, as we talked about earlier, the lesser of two evils and all of that. We've just gotten kind of acclimated to it, and we hate it, and yet we – accept it. And there's no reason why we need to accept it. There's nothing in the Constitution or anything else that says we have to settle for a duopoly. We have to settle for just two approaches, you know, choice A and choice B. Um, the other thing I think that is really important, and that is that while we talk about change and the need to get things done differently and, and done better, it's not just our elected officials. It's all of us as citizens. We all have responsibilities here. And we ought to have a sense of urgency also. Uh, the sense of urgency is important. And I, I learned a long time ago when I was in office, but also in other things I've done in life, that you can do the right thing sometimes, but you can do it so slowly that while you're doing the right thing, you're actually getting the same results as doing the wrong thing because the problem you're trying to address, the crisis that you're trying to avert is not going to wait for you. And so if you don't have a sense of urgency in terms of what you're doing and how you're doing it, oftentimes it ends up being a futile effort on your part. And, yeah. And that just uh, comes around to, to having a, a clear vision of things. Um, so uh, to wrap this up, uh, I'll just say, uh, 2020, I, I see it as being a, an awesome year for the Alliance Party. 
So um, everybody who's uh, listening in, definitely uh, visit the website, thealliancecarty.com. Jim Rex, uh, again, our our national chair, and uh, Dan Schaefer, our uh, producer for the Alliance Party After Dark. Thanks so much for for coming on, and uh, to all our listeners, um, thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week we'll bring you interesting topics from the Alliance Party. You may subscribe on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. All content for this podcast is copyright the Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Alliance Party. This podcast is a production of the Alliance Party, a decades-long movement of fiscally conservative, moderate, accountable, and reasoned independents, former Democrats, former Republicans, and alienated voters who demand that our elected officials work in the spirit of nonpartisanship for all constituents and provide a better future for our country. This podcast was made possible by your donations to the Alliance Party. If you would like to help sponsor this podcast directly, get in touch with us through our website at theallianceparty.com. If you'd like to join the Alliance Party, visit our website at theallianceparty.com. Drop in, see what we're all about, and get involved. Volunteer your time, make a donation, submit an article or a blog, or run for office. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the Alliance Party After Dark podcast, and on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. Be safe and be aware.